Why is it more complex as a German? I, I just saw this uh, this joke again yesterday or so where like an American kind of expects you to say like one word and uh, a German starts talking for two minutes or something. <laughs> here's something. It's here's a serious question, like because you you do want to give a proper re reply to a question like that. Mm. Well, I mean, it's interesting as well because uh, uh, one of my discussions with uh, a Dutch friend recently was that the the Dutch language is so uh, specific. There's so uh, few ways apparently to say things that. Uh, precision in terms of what you're trying to articulate in the Netherlands is very important. So when you yeah. say that uh, in German it would be more complex, or is it just the time, I guess, we're just looking at, right? We're looking at 2021, it doesn't really matter where you're from, it's going to be a complex answer. I can yeah. answer. Yeah, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, on a deeper level, yeah, it's very complex, but I mean, I'm counting my blessings every day because uh, I'm, I feel very fortunate, which, which leads me to feel that I'm doing well. Yes. Yeah. yeah. How's Uma? Um, well, Uma is 20, 22 months old today, so. Uh, today? Well, yeah, yesterday, but like uh, today, today. today. <laughs> oh, yeah. And uh, and now she's amazing. It's like, I mean, you 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 know what it's like, but like for me, it's the first time, and it's just so fresh, and just to see how that human being is so present, but then keeps changing all the time. So you believe like it's it's really it's it's one of those things that's really impossible to put into words. Yeah, I remember when we first were uh, were becoming friends, and I was at your house. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was right before she was born, and I think mm -hmm. we'd even had a quick discussion as to, unsolicited on your part, as to what it would be like. And uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's very hard. It's very hard to describe to people who don't have children as well. I think uh, you may have found as well that uh, there's people that don't have children that are like, well, I have a dog, so it's I understand. And you're like, well... <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, dogs are great. Dogs are wonderful, and they're never going to lie to you, which is fantastic. But mm -hmm. it's a different thing. <laughs> yeah, very different. Yeah, yeah I, I, fifteen. Oh, I'm sorry. Go on. No, uh, it's it really is because you you did ask me uh, to tell you what it's like, and and I think just a few weeks after her birth, I I said to you that it feels like I have a glimpse, glimpse onto the dark side of the moon somehow. Like, you know, <laughs> that, that part that you really can see when, you, when you're when you another father, right? Like you're starting to, to see uh, parts of yourself that were in the dark. What I found was so fascinating about it as well is prior to having children, I thought that I would be able to help them by like, you know, dispensing fatherly advice in some benevolent way. Yet what I didn't realize is all the things they inherited were all the things that I as well don't understand. So maybe with another person's child where they didn't inherit the same insecurities and the same neurosis and the same, you know, 
emotional proclivities. I could say, oh, this is how you cope with this situation or this is how you deal with this situation. With my son, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, it's me. <laughs> it's the same things that I struggle with. And he's coming to me saying, dad, how do I deal with this? And I'm like, frankly, I have no idea. <laughs> 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 if you figure it out, please let me know. <laughs> mm -hmm. It was her first day, first day or first hour at the new kindergarten today. And um, like, these are always like milestones. And, but, you know, I just, I was away for two days last week and I returned and she was a different human being, completely different. Yeah. No, my son is 15 and he went from being like Uma, like being a, a little, um, open vessel mm -hmm. to being a walking sweat sock. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? With like a ton of opinions and a ton of reasons why. And, and, and it's funny because your jurisdiction extends a certain, a, a certain degree, mm -hmm. but then at a certain point they get to the age where they go, Hey, wait a minute. I could just say no. Mm -hmm. And you're like, okay, well, the ramifications for you saying no are going to be this, that, and the other thing. But they're like, no, I can deal with that, actually. No. <laughs> and you know, the, the very first word that Uma said was nine. <laughs> Power of it. I wish I'd learned that one earlier. <laughs> but you're, you're better at saying no now? Yes. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think... I think the thing that I struggle with more than, than anything, and this is something I didn't recognize, this, the last, the, the quarantine and the pandemic or however you choose to describe it has been um, productive in some unexpected ways. And one of which, which was completely unexpected is that the energy that it has taken to navigate this has left very little energy for certain things that I had not taken into consideration before, like, people pleasing, for example, like I've spent so much of my life wanting to please everybody. And, and that's just a, a byproduct of, of insecurity, right? Like I, mm -hmm. I want to be liked or, or, or whatever the, the reason for that is. But after this period or during this period, I realized I'm like, wow, I have no time for, for this and that. And, and there's a lot of relationships that I, I recognized about, you know, almost immediately. I was like, wow, that is a lot of effort, that relationship. Mm -hmm. And I didn't recognize how much of that relationship was based on me being needy or me being wanting to impress them or, or, or tolerate behavior that, that I just don't have the, the patience for anymore. So I found that the amount of people that I've been in contact with has dwindled significantly during this. And that's, that's fine, but mm -hmm. it's, it's not been, necessarily easy to say no to people or to or to draw a line in the sand with certain people but it benefits me greatly yeah i can imagine i can imagine like and and i think and um like you you're putting um a lot of um screens out into the world that people can project stuff onto mm -hmm. which is your music you know like your 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 art your, your work and and there must be a lot of uh, 
well, first of all, like this is something I know we've talked about before, a lot of responsibility. Uh, but then there's also this this point where you really can't. It's impossible to take responsibility because it is projections, right? So and and like it is, it yeah. is. yeah, no, no, very, very much so. And and what has also occurred, and I've had discussions with with uh, some friends, mutual friends as well, about this, where they're their lack of desire to have those projections put on their work prevents them from creating. And I think uh, a big hurdle as a creative entity is to recognize that those projections are going to exist. And if you're being accountable to your own work from the point of view of who you are as an individual, who you are as, a, as an artist, and you are satisfied that what you're doing is is in line with what your intentions are as a human being, then to allow other people's projections of your work to prevent you from being creative is uh, unacceptable, really. You know, there's people that I know that that say, well, I don't want to do anything because, you know, people are going to interpret it this way or that way. And, and I'm thinking, so that that can't you can't allow that to be your deterrent. You can't allow yourself to stifle what it is that you need to do on this plane as an artist, mm -hmm. simply mm -hmm. based on the fact that there's some terrible people out there that that want to uh, criticize to the point of seeing if it will stop you from doing it. Right? Like, I think yeah. art and music and all these things are 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 really like I've said before. It's an expression of gratitude and that gratitude is, uh, at least in my case, based on an inability to express the awe that I have for how things are. I mean, I don't know. I, I, haven't, <laughs> I mean, I don't understand it at all, but it's awesome. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a, a method of expressing that gratitude and to be prevented from doing that based on other people's projections is is uh, unacceptable. I feel. Yeah, and super sad, you know, like if it that. Is. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, you know, I, totally. I had this. I had this um, uh, recording session last week where uh, it was a mallet quartet, and and the uh, you know the players they they wanted. Well, I don't know if they really wanted to know, but at least I explained a little bit about <laughs> it. And and I said that it's it's kind of it's uh, it's it, it's meant to bring up these these wondrous um, elements of like this the awe we feel for creation, right? Like that's sort of that's sort of like my intention with okay. making art. That that's what it's about. It's it's um, and totally. And yeah, I, I think like the, the, you know, I'm, I'm sort of lucky because like with my music, I'm not so super successful that there's enough uh, people <laughs> that could criticize it. So, and I only started doing that uh, at the beginning of the year as sort of like a replacement to like the lack of interaction with friends that were possible, right? So, and, um, and uh, I got criticized um, for doing this because I didn't have women on it. And, and, uh, it was, but it was just like, it was misrepresented as a podcast about musicians, which it's not. 
it's about me, it's about my friends, it's about the people that I wanted to talk to in that moment and that also wanted to talk to me, which was an important point. And so what I mean like is that for me to go out and actually do these things where I talk in public, where it's on the internet, where it's accessible, even like in 10 years probably, right? Or even 20 years, probably, uh, uh, for me, it's it's quite, it's not like being on stage, right? Like on stage, it's 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 an event that is sort of like the main impact is in the moment. Um, but here with this kind of thing, I I feel I feel pretty exposed and weak, and I don't I don't I'm doing it anyway. But I have to say, like my, I'm pretty close to canceling myself um, with this, but I won't. But it still feels awkward. I mean, I think I think anything that is worth the pursuit artistically is going to feel awkward because when you're really comfortable with something, in, in a lot of ways, I feel like, at least in my case, I'm repeating myself, right? And I think that uh, I think that the the intention, uh, let alone representing the um, appreciation of the awe of creation, or 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 however we choose to describe it. The intention is to use the work as a way to, to grow. Because I think that I've met people, um, for example, uh, you know, it's like having kids or, 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 or having a, um, a business or any of these things. It comes with a significant amount of stress and I've met people my age who have chosen not to do those things, which is fair enough. Absolutely. Yet, uh, when I am struggling with the, the, the things that, that these activities that I've chosen include, I sometimes feel that people are, are condescending towards it who haven't chosen those things. They're like, well, look how silly it is that you're struggling with these things that you had a choice not to do. You didn't have to have kids in this environment and climate change and, and all this. So, you know, the fact that you're struggling with this is, is your fault and that's fair enough. But through those struggles and through that awkwardness and through that having to figure out how to navigate things that I, I'm not familiar with, there's growth and there's artistic growth. And to me, the function of music is to, is to provide an awkward map through your own growth, you know, including the missteps, including the, the, the mistakes and falling off the horse and getting back on. And then, and I think a lot of times, like you're saying with the podcast, people maybe make the assumption that, that artists have things figured out <laughs> or yeah. certain artists have things figured out. And, Therefore, the, the standard that, that you are held to or, or I'm held to is, is, is like, well, you need to be able to understand. What am I trying to say here? Okay, so look at with the idea of representing the awe of creation through music. Immediately, people think, oh, it has a religious connotation or it has a spiritual mm -hmm. connotation or, or what have you. And... I, I'm more astounded that people give you or I the credit for being able to understand that. <laughs> mm. You know, it's like I, I have no idea, man. Like I have no, no idea. And, and I think that's why we do it because we do not have an idea. We, you know, that's the reason why. 
Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Totally. You know, and I, I, sorry, go ahead. No, it's just, just this, this, this sort of like, uh, uh, odd that just came to me as like, you know, having worked with you on that, um, on that wonderful tour we did, so I, 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 uh, <laughs> I would say that I think you are, and this is not, I don't think that's something that people would see from the outside, but you're also sort of like a late bloomer, right? Like you, you're uh, in your late forties now, just like me. And, and the, and I don't think I spoke uh, to you about this at all after the tour, but you were just, you were just a great leader. Right. And you were, you, the way you were communicating was actually making me, making me laugh. Sometimes it was very, very good. Like you, you were as, as if you, as if you had like a whole lifetime of experience doing this and maybe you did in your past bands or whatever, <laughs> but it was, it was really, really on to the point, like, and as if you had studied it let's say. <laughs> and, but it, but it was, it was not something that I would have like assumed you would be great at, you know, first off, thank you very much. That's a, that's, that's a wonderful compliment. And second all, um, failure is a great teacher. Oh. <laughs> My past bands, I think the number one complaint that any of my past um, uh, bands would probably agree to is that I was not a great leader. And mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. that my goals have been to refine the process so I can achieve what it is mm -hmm. that I want to achieve artistically. and. There's a bunch of things that I feel like I've had to learn. Number one, I had to try and learn music theory because it's one thing to, to, uh, you know, the bravado of claiming that you don't know what you're doing seems to only extend until you have to communicate with people that do. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you're just like, this is useless. I can't do what it is that I'm trying to do. So I had to take lessons. I had to take theory. I had to learn orchestration over the past five to seven years and I'm still a novice, but at least I can communicate. So when I do work with people that have that vocabulary, at least I'm, I'm able to fumble my way into a conversation. Mm -hmm. And I think the same thing applies with, with leadership in that regrettably for my kind of, um, uh, introverted way mm -hmm. in order to achieve what it is that I feel is important for me to achieve on an artistic level, I have to lead people. That's simply what it is. And so years and years of doing it incorrectly or inefficiently or poorly has led me now to the tour that we did was in a lot of ways uh, like uh, going to college for it for me where mm -hmm. I had 10 people with careers whom I respect immensely that were uh, willing to participate in, in the work. And so how do you communicate your needs to people that you have respect for and be clear, but simultaneously um, respectful to, to, to their talents. And it's, it's, it's complicated, but I, you know, I love those kind of puzzles in a way. I think it's I think it's really it's really helpful to 
be thrust into these scenarios because at the other end of it, however stressful it may be during, on the other end of it, you're able to sort of walk away from it and say, okay, I like that and I didn't like that and this works and this clearly doesn't. And I think that's, again, going back to what we were saying a minute ago, I think that's really important in, in terms of the artistic process is to challenge yourself and to be uncomfortable. Yeah. Because yeah. I admit, I was not particularly comfortable in that role. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, that, that's what I meant when I was, when I was, you know, uh, I was amused about you being in that role. Don't do because it. you you know I, I could see that you weren't necessarily super comfortable with it, but you were still managing fine, you know. And that that was that was I just thought it was fascinating. <laughs> Thank you. Because well, and that's that's also why I asked if you were better at saying no because you were saying no a lot yeah. in the in the rehearsal during the rehearsals, yeah. um, but you were saying it by you never used the word no once. You know? <laughs> So it's probably, it's the, <laughs> yeah, it, it's like even having, having it come out of my mouth felt like it was wrapped in razor blades, <laughs> you know, <laughs> talking to somebody who's got a breadth of material and has a level of intellectual, uh, you know, uh, capacity that I just, I'm, I'm floored by and just say, no, is like crazy, man. Like it's crazy. But also with that level of, of talent, I was surprised at what came with that. There's also, there was a real sense of humility to it that I would say, oh, I'd prefer it not to be that way. And almost, almost a hundred percent of the time, the answer was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, from my perspective, just, just knowing that you had a clear vision was enough um, to not question uh, what, what you wanted well that's that's and, that's, uh, that's very kind of you and, and also very um again very uh very humbling i guess in 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 a certain way though uh, you and i both have had to work through the ranks of 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 um co-workers if you want to look at it that way that maybe weren't able to accept that in quite as elegant a way as, as everybody on that tour that we did was mm -hmm. able to. Mm -hmm. I've worked in the past where I would say, hey, you know, I think this is, this could change or in accordance to the vision, I think that this is maybe, I'd like to see it do this instead. And a lot of times, not every time, but a lot of times in my past, and the past has been over 40 years, obviously, um, I've hit a lot of resistance to that too, where mm -hmm. people would interpret, um, comments on the vision as being a personal attack. And so mm -hmm. I think I had to learn with our tour very quickly that if people are, are at a certain level of confidence as well, that most of the time it's not going to be interpreted as an attack. Mm -hmm. But you have to sort of, you know, there's some PTSD as well, right? Where you have to kind of work your way out of it. <laughs> You're like, I God, I'm going to say no. Oh. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know. I think people also need to learn to be just kind of like realistic about like who the originator of, uh, of the creative spark uh, is, right? Like, and in your case, if it's your band, uh, I mean, I don't know. 
I, I think it would be like, for me, it would be a sign that if, if you're working with people who don't understand that you are of, of your, about your powers, let's say, right, that they really maybe have kind of not really experienced your art or your music in the way that they should have somehow, that they're like the emotional attachment to the music maybe isn't strong enough to understand that it comes, I mean, I mean you know, I know it's difficult to say it this way, but I understand, what but, you're but without 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 you, your music, your kind of expression, just simply wouldn't exist. Yes, I, I, and I agree with that. But I would also add, as devil's advocate to that, um, what the mistakes that I've made in the past were was I set precedents with the uh, the social aspects of my of my bands in the past that were highly rooted, I think, in hindsight, in me wanting to fit in, right? Like I wanted to be part of a team. I wanted to be part of a gang. I wanted to be part of a group of people because as much as I've had really great relationships in my life and, and really close friends, I've always been kind of, you know, on the odds with folks. I, mean, I kind of was always sort of over there doing my thing, running in circles like, Hey guys, can I play with you guys? <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. So I think in the past, the mistakes that I made was I wanted to be, um, I wanted to fit in so much with the bands that I had created, and I've been through a lot of them, that I would create this kind of democratic dictatorship where it's like, this is me, but we all have opinions on it. Mm -hmm. And then after a while, it just goes sour because people are saying, well, I have an opinion, yet here we are three years into it, and now you're, you're, you're not allowing those opinions to, to take hold. And I think a lot of that for me is once I became comfortable and I said, okay, I do fit in with these people, then all of a sudden the vision becomes, it, it's almost like back in view. And I'm like, okay, so now that we've established that, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong, and that's wrong. And to the credit of the people that I would work with, they would probably be like, wait a minute, up to this point, we had a say, and now we don't have a say. And so a part of my uh, cross to bear in terms of working with people is that there's a certain point where, where I recognize I can't progress any further with this scenario. And so, uh, I tend to sort of just be like, okay, next, next, next. Yeah. And, you know, there's, there's, uh, not, I, I don't say there's a fault on my side for that, but each time that I move forward, the idea now is to try and not repeat the same mistakes that I've made in the past, because I do feel that those situations just become irreparable at a certain point. You can't establish something and set a precedent a certain way and then change it because you're uh, either slow to figure it out or you have uh, a fear of confrontation or, or whatever the case was for me. So now moving forward, it's, it was very much an intentional thing. Like, okay, so this time, how do we do this? So that doesn't happen because it, it kept happening, kept happening, kept happening. Right. And mm -hmm. the whole pandemic is, has, <laughs> we were going and, and there was enough um, 
touring that was planned that that um, what we had done together uh, maybe was going to continue for a while uh cost uh dependent but this path now i've had 18 months i'm like well what now and the answer to that is well everything's changed and everything is just so crazy and 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 so much more expensive now with, with the the way that the world has changed and all this that I'm just gonna have to I'm just gonna have to go back to zero and to see what happens and then work back towards it and see what happens and here I am in the UK. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we could go many directions from here, but like coming back a little to the projection aspect, really of of what we're talking about. So at least in your in your case because you were mostly the frontman in in the presentation and your name is on most of your albums right and um so people are actually attributing stuff to you onto you now just imagine like these these bands or like acts that they're that have a face but the face is not the originator and like where where people project stuff onto one person as the main guy, but it's actually the other guy who's standing back a little bit. I can't, I can't imagine like the frustration and the, the craziness of communication that may kind of like uh, happen in such circumstances. Well, I've, I've tried to, I've tried to um, find solutions to that in a number of ways, all of which were, were childish. Like I tried to make an alien that could take the place. You <laughs> know, it's him. <laughs> See, it's him. <laughs> um, it clearly doesn't work because people aren't stupid. But uh, the uh, the other thing that I found interesting, and this is an ongoing discussion I have with a very uh, dear friend of mine, long-term friend, where we've had conversations for years about where does music come from? At what level can you attribute the work to yourself versus the collective unconscious or wherever music stems from. I personally feel that music exists separate from the creator and your job is to try to dig it out of the air in a way. It's like your bias and your experiences put you in contact with certain emotional experiences or stimulus and then, but I feel that music exists separate from you and separate from me and that when people give me a compliment you wrote a good song for example i feel more uncomfortable with that with than the work you did to make that song happen was good yeah and i can i can accept that absolutely but i just i just feel that music is not i think music comes from the awe of creation and and so when people attribute it to you or me, I spent a significant amount of energy saying, well, it's not that it's music is separate from us, but I think you're kind of screaming into the wind in a lot of ways. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't matter really. Yeah, I guess. Like, I think like, yeah, it just, it just doesn't matter. Mm. Like when, when you could say like people mean if they, if they attribute something to you, they mean music. Because I, you could also see it that way, because Devin sure. is music, right? And sure, that's, sure. That's, 
We all are, right? Yeah, exactly. However, again, going back to the beginning, music is so important to me that I just I really want to do it, right? Like mm -hmm. it's it's as simple as that. It's it's not and the the times that I've hesitated to be who I am for fear of people judging me, it seems like an affront to your ability to do this because not everybody's able to and i'm not just saying that because it's like a natural ability but just my life has been based on learning how to do this in the same ways as learning how to communicate with a band it's it's that's what i've that's what i do and so the times where i've said well i don't want to do it for fear of people for fear of people judging it or projecting or, or what have you. It seems like the person that is suffering from that is, is me, yeah. right? It's, and um, again, I feel that it's really important for me to make sure that my intention is something that I can stand behind because in the past it hadn't been. In the past I'd gone through moments where I'd, I had in my path of trying to figure out how to articulate music, I had experimented with a lack of accountability, for example, to see how that works. And it works terribly, just by the way. So now I feel that what I do is like, no, that makes sense. It makes sense to me. So, so there we go. The, yeah, um, a few days ago, uh, the puzzle and snuggles were kind of like announced, uh, and the released releases in October, I think. Yeah. And um, so, how did that come about? Same way as your podcast. We went through an incredibly traumatic period in in humanity's tenure. Like, I find it mind-boggling how not just companies, but people are trying to I use this word hesitantly, but gaslight as if the last 18 months of this hasn't existed. I'm looking at these videos of people and, you know, playing shows and, and it's almost like, ah, nothing, nothing happened. And I'm like, why, 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 why? No, 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 no. This was, this was significant. <laughs> This was so sick. There were times over the past 18 months where I thought this is unfathomably dark. And the work that it took to maintain balance and to maintain, I, I say sanity, but I don't mean it in a like, oh, I'm going insane way, but just the internet and the algorithms and the information and disinformation and, and people going crazy in my life and watching people I care about disintegrate and the division between people. It's so, it's so upsetting that I found, as I'm sure you did, that the only way I could navigate it was just to put my head down and really try to focus on maintaining balance and, and puzzle was in every conceivable way a reaction to that and when it first started 
I was thinking, gosh, this is a dark thing. It's just, it's so um, complicated and abstract and without form. And I'm thinking, well, of course it is. Of course it is. If your goals artistically are to be in line with what you're feeling authentically, of course it is. It would be absurd for it to be anything else as far as I'm concerned. And, and in the beginning, I was trying to coerce it to be something else. I was like, no, no, everything's fine. Everything's fine, you know. And then at some point, I was like, it isn't. It's not fine. Mm-hmm. And the people whom I care about, whom I'm not able to see, you know, people who I'm in contact with, yourself, friends, no one's okay. And so how do we find a way to, to make a, a piece of music that, that can document that? And it's always in hindsight where I'm able to sort of claim that the, the projects were meant to be a certain thing, but it, you, know, you don't know it until it's done. And you can say, oh, it was supposed to be this all along. But that being said, when Puzzle was done, I was able to say, oh, this is a document of this with all the people that I know and then a bunch of other artists that were generous enough to participate. It's a document of it. And then Snuggles, the second one, even with that ridiculous name, I I just got to a point where I thought if you're, if you're um, the architect of your own world in a lot of ways, and I don't know if you are, but it's romantic to think you are, then I don't want it just to be this as a statement. I don't want it just to be abstract, formless chaos. I need it to have something that, that makes the statement that at the end of the project, yes, it's abstract, formless chaos, yet the choice that I make is to not accept that as being the outcome. And in order to do that, it requires digging in and digging deep and and trying to find that same sense of awe that exists even in the times that are good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so the second record with the same group of people, Snuggles, is meant to sort of be that. It's like, yes, it's chaos. Yes, it's dark. Yes, it's formless. But this is what we take from it is that ultimately, um, I believe there still is hope. So there you go. Can you explain a little bit about the process of creating these albums? So, again, when I first started, my my thought was I tried to write uh, music that was more standard, more in line with things that I'd done in the past. But it all just kind of seemed disingenuous. It all seemed like I was trying to ignore what was actually going on in lieu of what I wanted to be going on. Like I wanted to, oh, it's fine. Everything's okay. It's crazy, but it'll be fine. And there's a part of me that's like, no, it's crazy. And you need to see this. You need to look at it. Like this is not normal. So I've always loved ambient music. It's always been kind of my first love in a lot of ways. It's it's like watercolors for for one's environment. I love reverbs and echoes and and, and things that create an evocative soundscape that complement 
a room or an environment that it's played in rather than draw your attention completely to it, which would probably seem strange to a lot of people because my work has typically been so like, ah, but I love ambience, all I listen to really. And so I just started exploring that as I had done in the past with a couple other records from the past, Dev Lab and Hummer and things like that. And I started doing some guitar improv albums that I put up on YouTube that were of dubious quality, but they kept getting a little better each time. And then by the time I went to do the fourth one, it became a lot more uh, sullen. It became more abstract and more bleak and darker. And then I realized that just by improvising these things in the ways that I had been doing, what I was really feeling was starting to present itself as opposed to what I was hoping I would feel. And at first I thought, well, I'll just put this out as another ambient guitar record. But the thing that I had always really appreciated about ambient music and the thing that I had not really had a chance to explore was, um, I think the term is periolia. I'm not, I'm sure I'm, I'm mispronouncing that, but the idea of like cloud watching where you, where you'll find forms in things that are formless or you hear a voice in the fan or, you know, this, you see a face in this or, or what have you. And what I've always loved about ambient music is when things are repetitive and when things are loop based, you, you can start to, things start to appear and it becomes evocative of rhythms or melodies or things like this. And so I first started by asking Morgan to extrapolate from my ambient jam, which had a very definite tempo because the delay on my guitar, which had made the music was the same throughout. I asked him to just see if you could pick out rhythms because if the guitar is going down, like just play that, just listen to it and hear if there's anything in those delays that sound like the rhythm. Cause to me, there's some very definite rhythms in there. So we had zoom calls and I would set, up the ambient jam on his computer and my computer so we could listen to it simultaneously. And I would go through a section at a time. I'd say right there, do you hear that? It sounds like it's going or whatever. And then I had named them. So each section had something that it reminded me of. And, and I named them things like Miami Vice or Lightyear Whale or anything. It didn't matter. It's like whatever it reminded me of. And so he sent me back a take of him just playing. And then from there, I started finding the tempos that it was at, and then I would cut them into pieces and then not grid them, but at least have some sort of tempo map so I could start to add electronics to it. And then he mentioned that his wife, Tina, has done a lot of choral work on her own where she just multi-tracks herself and they were home together. And so I asked if she would be interested in doing the same thing. And so we did a Zoom call and we went through the parts and I was like, in this section here, it sounds like there's a choir there. Or, you know, way like a distant symphony in this ambient music. And I would imagine that yourself and anybody else who participates with ambient music has the same experience. You hear in the music these things, right? Mm. So the idea was to make them intentional. And then once that started, it just started to snowball and then I contacted you and I contacted Diego and 
Nathan and Che and Samantha and Anne. And then, and then it started going to a bunch of other people that I knew. And then I started talking to people that I knew were musicians, but were in my life rather than... And, and then Puzzle ended up becoming more of an overview of my social network in a sense. So the A&R people that work for the gear companies, who they're all musicians, you know, Matt and Gitai and, you know, Chris and all these people. And so I said the same thing. So then it started having real distinct forms. Like after about the fourth iteration of it, it was these blunt sort of demos that were like big blobs of, of movements. And so I would send it to people. And by the end of it, it was like 30 to 50 people. And I would send it. And then, you know, Matthias, a tune track, he, he had his studio set up. Everybody has home studios. And so people started sending things back. And the whole thing was at 120 BPM. So I asked them, if you're sending things at 120 BPM, just tell me which bar I import your tracks to. Mm-hmm. And then we'll see what happens. And Amon and Tanya and then the choir and then the string quartet. And everybody started coming together. And because I'm working on this record right now called Lightwork, which is the first thing I've done with a producer, which has a very strict um, sort of parameter for me, which is also something that I felt was really important for me to learn. I wanted to experiment with Puzzle being the opposite of that. And so when people said, well, what do you want me to do? Once we went through the Zoom call and I said, well, if you hear this, there's clearly this kind of melodic thing going on. There's clearly this type of rhythmic thing. That there sounds like a violin to me. This but do whatever you feel. Just, just listen to it and see what's in there and then make it intentional. And then in the beginning, people would say, well, here's a file imported at bar 343 beat one. Great. There you go. And then I would set it up. And so Marcus's tracks, I would make purple and there would be however many tracks you sent. And then an auxiliary that I could then control your overall. But then, Every day people would send things and then I'd mix it and then I'd send it back and then they'd send more and then I'd get more people involved and I'd mix it and I'd send it back and then I'd modify it and I'd change the structure. And then, and before you know, it became this slow motion jam between 35 or 40 people that um, became clear to me that I wasn't the only person that was feeling the way that I was feeling, oh. you know, <laughs> the, the, the end result of puzzle was chaos. It's very, um, structured and it was a nightmare to mix for sure, but it's chaos and it's dark and it's, it's over the top, but uh, it's very clear. It's like everybody's dealing with the same thing. Because when I'm getting material back from people, it wasn't like, oh, here's a bunch of bunny rabbits jumping down a hill. It's like static and explosions. And I'm like, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. And then that would inspire me. And I'd say, oh, if we take this and we make it bigger and we explode it further. And then, and then I started seeing that from those original markers that I had named certain things, I had a group of artists as well, like visual artists who were friends of mine. Travis Smith and the people who ended up doing the film and animation that I was doing the same thing with them. So every time I would finish a mix, I'd send it to them with the names. And I had sketched out a narrative that I thought was hand in hand with what 
it was doing in terms of dynamically. And then as the narrative started to appear, I, I began to sort of shift things around like, okay, well, if that's what's happening there, then this part here clearly needs to go there and then we'll move this. And, and then the, then I, I had a graphic artist involved and then a, a, a novelist involved and then a, a filmographer involved and then an animator involved. And before I knew it, the, um, the narrative for what puzzle ended up becoming started to present itself in a very obvious way. Like, okay, well the puzzle is essentially we're a product of our past we're a product of our bias we're a product of our of our minds and and our fears and our inability to accept our own potential even when it comes to putting out music or doing a podcast anything mm -hmm. is essentially the puzzle how do you solve that mm -hmm. and the way that you solve it is to recognize that the thoughts and the negative talk that we have for ourselves is not truly who we are. Like who we are is not that insecurity. Who we are is, is the, the faith to say, okay, well, I can do this. I'm not afraid of this. And so at that point, when I recognized that that story was such as it was, I thought, well, the conclusion to this can't just be chaos. It can't be because I don't want it to be. <laughs> mm. So what is the conclusion? So I just started writing something else that was really pretty. And then I contacted you and everybody else. And I said, hey, you know, while we're doing this, here's another one, except for this one, when we're listening to it, please make it something that makes you feel better as opposed to worse. <laughs> and I think that in the same way that people had uh, so much to say when it came to the chaos. I think everybody was like, yeah, all right, that'd be great because everybody's stressed. And so I got beautiful things back and then I was able to do the same thing, find a narrative and then take the parts and then move them around. And then when the pieces for Snuggle started coming together, I contacted Philip uh, Peterson, who is a, a brilliant uh, um, string arranger and he does He's done all sorts of stuff like Lord and Portugal, the man and all these things. And I, he's a new person in my life. And I said the same thing. I was like, well, can you do something beautiful on this? And then that came back. And then I thought, well, it needs a guitar. Who do I know that, you know? And so here's a couple of Andes that I know that play guitar. And I thought, well, that would be, they'd be great for this. And, and then by the end of it, it was a huge, huge project. <laughs> And, and it was uh, something that I'm very proud of for a lot of reasons, obviously, but more than anything else, like your podcast, it was a way for me to stay in contact with people whom I care about, right? Like, and we have a document of something crazy that um, is a bunch of great people, right? Yeah, the, uh, the like, the, I think it will be uh, the used word that you've used before, uh, unfathomable, what kind of work uh, went into these two pieces. Unbelievable. I mean, I, I, I kind of like have an, some sort of idea. Um, the file pretty, management alone was 
absurd because like yourself when you sent your files typically you would have four to five stereo tracks right but sometimes it'd just be one stereo track and other time you you I think it might have been you you'd have an improv track where you'd improv over it and then mm -hmm. I could take that and, and, and build on that or, or what have you but then there was other people that sent me 60 tracks multi-track vocals all sorts of stuff and and uh, not panned not mixed and they're like oh I just did a bunch of stuff and I'm like great <laughs> <laughs> and it was great but I also wanted to make sure that the thing that I, I had there's a lot of things that I hadn't anticipated and one of which was when the momentum started happening for people involved with the people uh, not everybody but a lot of people became very excited and participated a great deal but because there was no you do this you do this you do this this is your section this is your section it's just do whatever you want basically I would get things back for the same section from five people that were all really cool and they had put effort into and I'm thinking, well, how do I solve this? How do you solve that part of the puzzle, so to speak? And so each aspect of this became a different solution. And for example, the solution to a problem like that was, well, you break it up into, into beats. So if there's a section that is like an eight bar phrase and there's 12 people who have done something over that eight bar phrase, it's all gonna be logical because they're listening to the music. But if it all plays together, it's, it's, it's just as chaotic as, as puzzle is, it's not without structure. But when you do it like that, it was completely without structure. It just sounds like everything exploding simultaneously, which every now and then was cool, but overall it's so fatiguing. So what I would do is I'd mix everybody on their own and then I would print it and then I'd bring it in and I'd create a tempo map and I just cut it into sections. So it'd be like, and it became this patchwork that at the end, it's like, well, how do you smooth that over? How do you make that into something musical as opposed to just frenetic? And then perhaps I would find a melody that would kind of tie the room together in a sense. And I would say, okay, well, we could put a vocal on this. And then that vocal would be something that on the next iteration that I'd send out one of the singers, because there was a ton of singers, would hear the melody that I did and then they would add to that. And then before you knew it, that section became this, this patchwork that I remember thinking while it was being assembled, I was like, oh fuck, the mix for this is gonna be crazy because not only is it technically crazy, but nobody was hearing it and, and people had put in a lot of effort into something and so because these people were also friends of mine, how do you, and this is another question that I had for myself during it, how do I solve that? How do I respect the effort that they've put into that part? Say hypothetically, somebody had recorded 10 minutes of multi-track vocals and guitars and all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, but there's 40 other people. Like I can't just focus on you. So I had to say no at every piece and I say okay you can be there and then you're here and then you're here and you're here and you're here and then 
you run the risk at the end of when you send it back, no one's completely satisfied because everybody's like, well, I had put in all this effort into this one part and all we have is a section there. Mm-hmm. But my, excuse me, my, my role in it was to say, yes, you did put in all that effort, but there's all these other people that I care about that are there too. And there's gotta be room for everybody. And not one person takes precedence over the other. It's just, and so it became this psychological um, process as well that really played into the narrative. And so when I ended up doing the film, which I'll send you, it just got finished like two days ago. Mm -hmm. um, The whole concept ended up becoming about how do we navigate these thoughts? How do we navigate these, these, the ramifications of every decision at every minute? And so puzzle ended up becoming, I guess, an analogy for the whole thing for me. And I mean, again, it's an art project, right? And I think that's also what's really important for me to have come out of this recognizing is the function of art is not to make statements at least for me about this is unequivocally this it's all about whatever god or 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 science or whatever it is is for me i'm not making statements i'm just trying to get from point a to point b and the process of doing that includes all sorts of like maybe it's this 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 and at the end of it if I have some degree of balance, then at least I get a passing grade, right? This, and you're 49 years old, so this is like the seven times seven. This is the uh, seems like a bookend uh, to the first first big chunk of your life. You know, somehow holding all that stuff together, and yeah. you've sort of like recreated. Re- re- Recreated the the problems community communicating uh, within with band members and stuff in the process of creating a puzzle, right? So it's um, it's interesting, fascinating, and you know, I was I was again like I was pretty much aware of that. I mean, like, why is he really doing this? It's it's a it's a nightmare, right? <laughs> like in a way, <laughs> it was. I didn't realize the level of the nightmare it became, but it did. You said something I I I've quoted to people a lot, which I I you, I mean, you've said a lot of things to me that have really helped over the times that we've known each other. But one thing that I thought was fascinating was, you know, when I was very young or younger, at least. Um, you have experience with drugs to a certain extent, you know, whether or not it was like psychedelic mushrooms or, or marijuana or, or, or what have you. But then as you get older, it's like these things are just so much work. Like when you're trying to just be a dad and run a business and it's like, I don't have time to, to feel that way, that sort of paranoia or anxiety or, or what have you. But I've had a couple of friends that became very uh, heavily, um, involved in ayahuasca and and things like this and had asked her like deb do you want to do this and and i had thought about it i was like wow you know it seemed artistically fascinating to to want to go down those those roads and and i had talked to a bunch of people whom i was close to and you being one of them about it i was like you know people have been asking me about this 
And long story short is, no, I didn't end up doing it. I, I got much further into meditation, which I really enjoy. Meditation really works for me, not in a necessarily like the spiritual sense, but more in just I overthink. So having a practice that its entire function is to help me put a, put a leash on that was my decision rather than ayahuasca, right? And two people said things that swayed me, you being one of them. My other buddy said, he said, so what's your reason for doing it? And I was like, well, I don't know. I, you know, when I was younger, I had experiences that were, were, were good in that way. He says, well, you're looking for the experience then, aren't you? And I said, maybe. He goes, well, go ride a fucking roller coaster then. <laughs> that was the first one. He says, you're doing okay, man. You got your, you got yourself together to a certain degree here. You know, like, really, man? Like, be careful. And then you had said something which I thought was great. You were like, well, if the reasons that we have to go through this life is to learn and to figure it out, if we choose to believe that there is a reason, right? And you had mentioned, well, if people get born again halfway through their life, aren't you essentially just starting from the beginning again? (laughs) (laughs) I thought, what a fantastic point. (laughs) (laughs) It was really helpful, actually. And and, and I've seen these, these sort of experiences help certain people, but I've also seen them really be problematic. For people and some people who are close to me ended up you know having real problems right mm-hmm. and that can be due to support or, or whatever i'm not a, i don't know right? like i've not experienced it but but it was really important for me during this this pandemic and and with the process of puzzle to be able to not run from the fear i had as well of myself of creativity of, you know, the horror that I was feeling during this period. I think in the past decade of my creative output, I've consciously disallowed myself to participate in anything that I deemed as being like a real primal, a real primal uh, emotional component in my work because I just didn't want it to be misinterpreted or, or what have you, because you have a certain amount of, of facility to articulate these things and, and I feel like you got to be careful right because people are going to make assumptions on things that are maybe not what you mean but mm-hmm. I also feel that with puzzle the intention was I guess the best way to to summarize it would be the fastest way out is through like this whole period is just so profoundly upsetting there's people I'm sure you run into too. They're just like, "Why wow, you 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 struggled during this past 18 months? Whatever, man. It was easy for me." I'm like, "Okay, well, it wasn't for me, and it wasn't for a lot of people that I know, and maybe for the people that say it wasn't, maybe they're just like acting out of bravado too, right? But it was, and so I wanted to say this is honestly where I was at, and here's what the people that I care about." And we're all trying to deal with it. And the analogy that was trying to be made with the participation of everybody was, how do you navigate your social world as well? Making decisions within the parameters of a piece of music. You know, I had some people that said, hey, I did something in this song or in this piece that I think is great. 
and I think you should use it all. And I'm thinking, yeah, but there's 20 other people that did things there. And they're all friends of mine too. Right? You, you know what, Devin? I, I think um, I think you can be super proud of uh, having taken this step because um, I have to choose my words carefully, or maybe not. You know, like I, I think you are, you're simply, you are, you are creating art. And I don't want to just want to call it music, but you come from the background of rock and roll. And I mean, not, not you, but like the context in which your art was first being experienced was rock and roll. Right. And so I think you as a person, you're just so far, like you're just, you're just Devin Townsend, you know, there's no, this, these associations that are there with your the first part of your career, let's say, uh, I'm glad that you're, you that you keep overcoming those and that um, puzzle now, as you describe it, is sort of more so a conceptual art piece than music. I mean, like not to lessen the music, it's great, but it's it. And I I really I think I think that's fantastic and just. Just you, 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 you freeing yourself more and more uh, to to become sort of like a zoomed out artist, somebody who is in a meta position to create and design these projects. I think that's fantastic, and that's where you where you should have been always, in a way. Well, may I may I also add to this though that I mean I love pop music, I love rock and roll, and 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 I also think that that part of the 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 thing that I needed to to realize by doing puzzle is that that's also, you know, I think I've been. It's not, it's, not a, it's not a contradiction at all. You know, I think it's just that sometimes you feel like you. Uh, it felt feels to me like listening to older interviews with you, like you were you're trying to apologize somehow. You know, I'm Canadian, man. <laughs> No, I, I, but I also think that I've, I've also, <laughs> I put my feet down as the stagecoach is gaining momentum typically. And the reason that I do that is, is petulant. It's like a childish thing. It always has been. And I think that something that I, I struggled with as well on an artistic front is, is I grew up in an environment that was very, uh, I, I don't want to say low class because that sounds, that sounds, uh, it's not necessarily what I mean, but you know, it was like ACDC and yeah. transit. And, and if you had an artistic sensibility or if you were sensitive, it was something that you, you learn pretty quickly to repress, I think, or suppress, suppress. And so, so as much as I, as much as I, um, maybe was hesitant to to make art for the sake of art the artistic side of me feels like making normal songs like Def Leppard or something which I loved that that's lowbrow so there's this there's this conflict on either side for me where I feel that if I'm doing things that are I felt like if I was doing things that are artistically that's because I was being full of myself and if I was making songs that were simple, it was because I was 
not living up to my potential or, or you know what I mean? It's like, and so the, the combination of those two things has, has made it difficult for me to move forward because I felt like I had to apologize for both. And so mm -hmm. puzzle was an art piece and light work is uh, accessible. And so for that, like I hired a producer and he said, well, what is it that you want to do? And I said, I love Def Leppard. Like I loved hysteria I, and not necessarily the lyrics, but I loved how it sounded. I loved that the chorus was big. I loved that people could sing to, I loved that. And so I, throughout my career, whether or not it's Ocean Machine or, or Terry or anything, there's, there's always been songs that are like that, you know, Stagnant or Life or any of these songs. But I always thought that it wasn't, you know, I shouldn't be doing that either. Not only should I not be making art, but I shouldn't be writing, you know, accessible things either. So I brought all this music to this producer and then he listened through and he goes, oh, that's a great chorus. Oh, that's a great chorus. Oh, that's a great chorus. <laughs> so I've made that too. And that's just as frightening. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, it's just as frightening for me to make good songs as it is for me to make inaccessible you just make me realize something something again that my interest in in uh in a musical artist is not so much the the song or the album it's the artist it's just the fact that like how does what does devin do next right that's sort of like what I'm interested in, that I've always been interested in, inter interestingly enough, now that I look back, that I wasn't just looking at, it's not about a particular style or a genre or something, but now it's starting to make sense a little bit because you said earlier on that you wanted to kind of like be part of a group of people. You wanted to kind of like socialize and like with so socializing comes the, the stamp of, does. Right, right. It's a nightmare, man. And because I, like, I want to fit in with the artists, but like, I've got this like real lowbrow sensibility that is like really hard to reconcile with that. And I want to fit in with the the commercial artist because there's an aspect of that that I find fascinating. Like, but because I, I tend to, you know, then you're viewed as a weirdo because you're kind of you've got all this other stuff on the other side. But I think that getting older helps because I find that that the definitions that are placed on us by what we do are secondary to well who we are, right? And and the pandemic has really helped me with that because there's a lot of people that art aside, like art aside, you being a, a fantastic artist aside, I enjoy your company. Like as a human being, that's it. There's no, there's no, it's not like because you're a great artist, I enjoy your company. You know what I mean? And, and that's been very helpful as well. And it's actually weeded out the social aspect of Fairmount because the friends that I have that are really close, like a lot of them aren't artists or they're, you know. And, and I, I think that's what it comes down to because if you're talking about like social competence or something, right? Or, in, or incompetence, 
I think I think I think it's pretty much based on like, do I like to be with these people or not? Really, like, do I enjoy talking to them or not? And I and like, if we if we look at things from that perspective, I think you are very very competent because like, all you need is a person that uh, where there's mutual respect, and then it doesn't matter if that's uh, as you look like a lower or higher class or whatever. It doesn't matter, right? It doesn't. It, I've made, I've made, you know, my insecurity has allowed me to rationalize behavior from people who are great artists as being acceptable that mm-hmm. later on, I'm just like, you need to put a leash on that shit. And just because you're a great artist doesn't mean that you should get away with treating people like that. Yeah. And I think this is, that's where it became problematic as well, because there's like a certain amount of reverence that people would have for artists. They're like, Oh, it's okay. It's okay that they're assholes because they're great artists. And, and there's a part of me that's never really been comfortable with that, where there's been people that, you know, maybe both you and I know that you're just like, yeah, but he's terrible. It's like, yeah, but listen to what he does. And I'm like, yeah, but he's terrible. <laughs> you know, like, like, like you need to, or one needs to remind oneself that those people were assholes even before they were famous. Yeah, and I guess that's the, yeah, you know, but you know, you know what I mean. That I think that uh, behavioral patterns, like what, what I think, what happens is that people get stuck, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's what that's what success or like if you get onto the wrong path, let's say as a as a human being, what happens is that you simply uh, stop uh, becoming better at who you are, a better version of yourself. You just not right. challenged. Right? I mean, it's again, it's like the challenge that we feel as artists is, is almost the, the, the fundamental motivator, you know, like the podcasts or, or anything like this. And yeah. I found as well during the, during the pandemic, there's been some people that maybe I had gotten to know and I had convinced myself that we were closer than we were because it was flattering for me to be in their company. But then when things started coming down and, and, and I'm talking to them, I'm like, well, I don't know how much practical value we have for each other here. Because you think, mm-hmm. okay, well, zombie apocalypse, this guy's looking for people to take care of him or her. <laughs> and I'm like, man, no one's got the time. Like, or I met this guy, uh, a kind of famous guitar player, and we we're trying to find some common ground between us. And I was like, oh, what sort of guitar amp do you use? Yeah, like, right? And he's like, oh, I don't even know. I, I can't even change my own strings. I don't even set up. And I'm thinking, you're a guitar player? And you can't change your own strings? Like, okay. You know, and then I think, so here we are when everybody is running in circles, trying to pivot their lives and take care of their families. And, and I'm sure it's the same with you. I've been running like crazy, man. And like, I haven't stopped since this is and five percent of it's created the rest of it's just how do you take care of shit how do you move this box from this part of the house to the other part of the house and how do you help them and this person struggling and i'm struggling or whatever like these sort of practical problems are the things that fortunately myself and a lot of people around me that i care about are you know we're we're adults we're we're okay at handling life but there's some other people that 
prior to it, I was thinking, oh, you know, this, this person's in my life. And then during the pandemic, I was like, oh, oh God, <laughs> you know, waiting for people to do things for you. And no one's got the time, right? Like, I'm very happy to hear what you're saying um, about yourself here because it really seems like you're you're very healthy. I am. Yeah. I am. And, and wanting to be more so too. I mean, you know, it's like through this whole period, man. Um, yeah, the darkness of last winter was surreal. Like when mm -hmm. I was trying to take care of the family, trying to take care of the kid and take care of the parents. Because they're a generation, the 70 some odd year old generation. They're as great as they have been. And not just talking about my parents, but a lot of people in that generation. There's also this sense of like, this isn't fair. We were supposed to be retired and we were supposed to be traveling. Mm -hmm. And this is bullshit. <laughs> mm -hmm. And you have to be like, okay, everybody's going through it, right? Like everybody's having to deal with this. And but at the other side of it, man. I think keeping some sort of modicum of, of hope or, or faith in, in your friends or, or people that you, you care about or society in general on some level, like I think that's the path through it. I guess that's what the whole second half of the project was meant to be, but good to talk to you again, dude. So what have you been working on? So it's like, so you did the, uh, so is it a quartet? Was that based on the thing that you had uh, talked to me about with the computers? Exactly, I, and I just I just remember that that was the piece I played to you in uh, yeah. like almost two years ago in September nineteen. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, and it's finally been recorded. Like the recording has been pushed back like for eighteen months. Yeah, about. How did they do? How did the players do? They they did amazingly well. I mean, it's a it's a very very complicated piece to play because I'm basically kind of like atomizing everything and then like distributing the notes. And so each of the players is actually not playing a melody. It's like super abstract. But then when every, when the four people come together, it, 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 there's the melody, right? And yeah, they did extremely well. And um, it's like, and this is another, like another aspect that we haven't even like talked about here, but like it's such an honor to like, when you actually meet people that want to work with you and that want to work for you in a way that's like it's an amazing kind of honor where like like i i'm so incredibly grateful to be in a situation where there are people who like what i do enough so that there's the opportunity to have something uh created that actually requires an effort and this is something that i'm personally seeing less and less uh, that in the in the mu in music at least in the part that i see where there's really a lot of effort in things and this is why also why why puzzle is is so amazing because it's just the uh the mere fact that it is uh that it is a puzzle right <laughs> yeah and in a way in a way my composition they're always puzzles and because that like like i said the awe of creation or the off for creation Precisely. Um, yeah and and, and yeah it's at all. I mean, like you would say, it's, it's like the music is this, if it's tolerable, then that's a bonus. <laughs> but the, uh, but the process of it, like you, when you explained, so what was the name of the piece that you're just, you had just finished? I forget. It's a sex, a sex God or the sex God. 
So this was the oh. one that basically started with the algorithm that you had made in your computer, which yeah. determined the patterns that then started in a modal kind of way and then would go off in the directions that uh, essentially would coalesce at some point because they were based on the same singularity of music. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, I, just to, to and I, I would imagine going back to what you said a second ago, maybe you're a little different than I on this, on this front. Um, but I, I found that when people were, were, were willing to participate in the work, my first thought was that, uh, oh, I'm not worthy. You know, like, mm -hmm. like people, um, I, I'm sorry that you have to do this. And I think that, I think that that, um, I think that that, the sooner one can get over that, the sooner you can progress on a creative level, right? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like a self-serving kind of insecurity, right? Also, like just, just like the, you know, the, the music itself and like talking about puzzle again, I think there is like a, a level that we sometimes forget. I think that somehow as well, as we know, somehow the intention of one's work kind of like gets transferred, mm -hmm. sort of becomes part of the screen that people can project onto. I also believe that the texture and the structure of the, the music of the, it, it kind of can trigger similar structures within the brain of the listener. So for example, if you have something that has sort of like a fractional nature in a, in a musical structure, let's say like, like my mouth quartet, for example, I think what it does is that it also makes the brain fire in patterns like that, which then is, is, is beyond the music itself. It's sort of like you transfer one structure into another medium and music is just the, is just the means. I don't know, like to, to no. do that. And uh, yeah, no, no, I'm, 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 I just believe that with, with, with something like puzzles, something pretty similar happens. Like even people, if people are unaware of the number of, of elements present at any one time and, uh, the, the, the origin of these snippets and stuff, but, but it's all there because our, our, um, our brain is fast enough to decode all that stuff on a subconscious level. I agree. And I agree. And puzzles, the intention of that is beyond the insecurities that we've told ourselves that we are comprised of is something beautiful that yes. we uh, have access to because we're human beings. Like that's, and that's it. It's, it's, the 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 goal with it is to help mm -hmm. and i think that in the in the past my hesitancy to participate in anything within my own psychology that i deemed as being unacceptable prevented it from being um maybe heard on some level because it's very easy to to Photoshop, Pro Tools, whatever, 
project yourself as being um, something that you're not, right? And I think that we live in this this era as well, where where people are looking for heroes and people are looking for martyrs and people are looking for self help. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I I'm not qualified to do that, but what I am qualified to do is say my experience with this led me to this and of course i'm qualified to say that because that's that's where i'm at and my qualifications in my mind is that my intention to do so was to connect with people whom i cared about during a time in history where we were disconnected from each other and not give up that's what it was it's not it's not it, there's nothing there's nothing existentially pointed about it. You know, I, I, I'm not trying to make a statement about it. I'm trying to say, artistically, this is the result of that with these people. And what happens next is what happens next. And you had said a few minutes ago about how artists, your interest in it can be, where are they gonna go next? And I think a lot of that is determined by where you've been. And every, aspect of, of where we've been and every choice and every decision and every falter and every it's like that guides it so that's where i think accountability comes in as well but with accountability also comes like for me like and this is something that's happened this year too is like the humility that is involved with saying hey i'm not enlightened mm-hmm. you know I'm not, I, I'm not anything. I'm, I'm, I'm a fucking mess. To cut myself some slack in that front was really helpful because I think we're, we're, we're taught that we're not allowed to be fallible. You know, we're not allowed to make mistakes. We're not allowed to, but point yeah. me to somebody who doesn't, right? Like, yeah, I mean, that's like this idea of enlightenment is total bullshit. I agree. It's like it, like like uh, an enlightened person wouldn't be able to help anybody. Well, why would you? Yeah, it doesn't make <laughs> it doesn't make any sense there. And so yeah, thank you, thank you very much for this. And just like like as a, a very last thought here, which I just want to say it because I think it kind of like shows the the scope of what you do is like you, you, you make this kind of art, art, music, music, but you have a voice. And I mean, a real voice, something that exists physically and you can just sing and you can be in a room and open your mouth and sing. And you can do the exact same thing with singing a few words, a few notes, that you can do with a piece like puzzle that took you a year to put together. <laughs> so, and this is, this is sort of like, I find this just such a wonderfully strange and crazy thing that, that something that can be very, very easy. We can also create it in a very, very hard way. Mm. And so, and I think that's, that's clearly like why the process for us as artists, as musicians, is as important as the result. And um, 
yeah, thank, yeah. thank you, thank you for doing everything you're doing. So. Oh, brother, it's it's not only my pleasure. It's 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 great to talk to you again, man. And thanks for being involved as well, man. That's awesome. Oh, it's like I said. I think I'm pretty good. I'm. I don't think I ever asked you what you used or if you used any. Uh, I didn't have any expectations. Oh, I did. I used tons. Of, and not only that, a lot of my intention with with whatever people sent. Because I had people that were involved with, with Puzzle that weren't musicians either, like mm -hmm. at all. Mm -hmm. People that work at the gravel pit or, mm -hmm. you know, that are just friends of mine. And so it didn't matter what they did. Like my friend's mom, you know, uh, she's like 80 years old. Her contribution to Puzzle was she, she read a salsa recipe in Spanish, right? <laughs> And so, you know, it's like, so, but the idea was like, well, use whatever you get, not all of it, because there's going to be a lot of it, but, it, but so everything I got, I used at least a bit of, yeah. so, but I mean, man, I, I admit, I think the reason why this next record, this light work record I'm doing is, is really linear. It's like chorus verse it's because of that. It's like after puzzle, if somebody said, Hey, do you want to do that again? I was like, fuck no, man. <laughs> like, let's just write some songs for a couple of minutes here. So yeah. we'll see where it goes. At. Oh, actually I know where it goes after this is we're going to do the musical after light work. Right. But it's like, uh, Oh, that's like, amazing. That's one, amazing. Yeah, man. It's great to talk to you again, brother. And, um, good luck to the, the family and say hey to Jess and, uh, you know, let me know if there's anything you need and you know where I'm at. You have a good time in the UK and I hope the, the shows will go well. I am sure it will. This can be interesting because I had to get people just from here for the sake of quarantine. So the, I've never met the band. Like I've never met them. I don't even know what they look like. I don't know if I'd be able to pick them out in a crowd. So <laughs> I meet them in a couple of days and let's see what happens. <laughs> It'd be great, I'm sure. <laughs> Talk to you soon, bro. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you.